Hey everyone and welcome to the Talk Dental To Me podcast. I'm your host Emma and I'm an oral health therapist based in Melbourne, Australia. And if you've not been here before, this podcast was created so that we can learn from each other, other health professionals and learn about new oral care innovations. Today's episode is another advice episode and I'm answering the most frequently asked frequently asked questions that land in my Instagram DMs and I'm not going to lie some of these are heavy questions so I'm going to dose you all with a bit of reality today like how to deal with conflict in the dental office, how to avoid burnout but also practical topics and fun stuff like how to start a dental Instagram. We'll talk about hydroxyapatite toothpaste and a lot of this is based on my personal experience. So I hope today's episode helps you and I hope you enjoy this episode and I really do love making these ones for you guys because it feels like, makes me feel like I'm a big sis to you all. I didn't have a big sis when I graduated the Bachelor of Oral Health and Dental Hygiene. So I really hope that these episodes help you and I can be like a mentor from afar. But just know that you're not doing this on your own and that I'm here to help. And if you ever need anything, if you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to DM me. I reply to all my DMs except for the creepy ones and I will try to get back to you as soon as I can. So let's jump straight into this episode. I have eight questions that I have chosen, the ones that most frequently land in my DMs. And the first question is, what is the most challenging aspect of being a dental hygienist? And this is a tough question because I believe it's multifaceted and I could really niche it down. You could ask me about different areas of a clinic or practice and I could tell you the most challenging aspect of every single area but if I had to pick the most challenging aspect I think it's finding an office where your values align it's really really difficult I think and that's just me talking from personal experience when I first graduated I didn't really know what I was looking for and in hindsight I I am a little bit easier on myself now as I've evolved as a clinician but I was quite young when I graduated from university I was a young graduate I was 20 years old and out in the big wide world about to practice as a dental hygienist so I did have to mature quite quickly and to be fair I have grown up with people older than me my whole life. Fun fact I actually skipped half of grade prep so I did six months of the first year of primary school and then I got put up into the next grade so I've always grown up with people who are older than me my entire life. All my high school friends are like two years older than I am so I think that did give me a pretty good leg up and I always almost and I was always mistaken when I was younger to be the to be older than I really was but I'm getting a little bit off track now I'm taking you back to me not knowing what I was looking for so 
I say now in previous episodes, make sure you know what you're looking for because as a new grad, I didn't. And I just took the first job that presented itself to me and it was pretty far from home and I chose it not for me. I chose it to be closer to an ex-partner, which again, in hindsight, not a great decision. So I think that you eventually learn what type of practice you want to be at as you learn what you're more passionate about. And I believe as dental hygienists, we must be passionate about prevention. Yes, in Australia, we have the therapy aspect as an oral health therapist, which is more restorative. But I really believe that we should really focus on our prevention side of things. And so I was really lucky with my second job to be in a practice where the principal dentist did a lot of my therapy and non-extraction orthodontics and expansion orthodontics and that was fantastic but at that practice I found that it lacked the prevention side of things and it's that's what I mean when I say that it's difficult to find a practice where you're on the same page with all your values so I ended up moving on from there and moved to a practice where I predominantly was providing hygiene and I was at this point in my career where I knew that I wanted to be more of a hygienist than a therapist so I actually stopped doing therapy quite early on in my career it just wasn't for me and I actually know quite a few oral health therapists who do the same or if they do still practice their therapy side they don't practice um, on kids and so on and so forth so as you you know evolve in your career you will figure out what works for you and what doesn't and what did I do after that I did so long story short because I could talk about this all day and just talk about my entire career but I won't (laughs) because that would be a very long boring episode for you all but there are things in a practice that you're not going to agree with and it's really difficult because your practice may really focus on prevention but you may not agree with how the dentist practices the principal dentist and then it's like do you want to work under a principal dentist who has these values and you have these moral and ethical dilemmas that you don't think about when you're in uni it's like do I forget about that or do I find another practice so then you move on and you may move on to another practice where you know all these other things are great but then you don't get any control over your appointment books so you might have someone you know with no dental experience dictating your appointment books which I find really frustrating and really difficult and you know I feel like it should be us clinicians who decide how long a patient needs after a thorough examination for perio treatment so you know you move through different clinics in your life and you know you're trying to find a home but it's not always easy so 
definitely don't be too hard on yourself because you really honestly do not know what a clinic is until you start working in there you know when you interview someone because you do interview them they're not just interviewing you it's almost impossible to tell exactly what the clinic's like and until you're immersed in there and you're actually working in the day-to-day so you may start at a practice and think oh my god this isn't for me and that is okay there are so many practices out there and you might find a really good mix working part-time in two different practices and if that keeps you sane and that keeps you happy and that is working in practices where you get to you know practice different scopes like you want to do orthodontics or you want to do more Invisalign or you want to do more hygiene if that's in two separate clinics and it's in two separate clinics like there's so much flexibility in our career to really find yourself as a clinician but yeah that's just a little insight into what I think is the most challenging aspect of being a dental hygienist. Question number two, what are your thoughts on hydroxyapatite toothpaste? So I love hydroxyapatite toothpaste. I went through a phase on my dental Instagram about hydroxyapatite and I think it's a really great alternative for people who are fluoride averse. But not only that, it does have its merit and it has been proven to be just as effective in fluoridated um sorry it has been proven to be just as effective as 1000 parts per million fluoridated toothpaste and when i used to post about it i got comments from dental professionals saying but what's the evidence compared to 5000 parts per million toothpaste so a high risk patient who would be prescribed 5,000 parts per million toothpaste and people saying oh there's not enough research yet but it has been proven to be safe and it has been proven to have benefits and I think we can't forget that we don't treat teeth we treat people so if someone comes in to your Uh, practice and they don't want to use fluoride or they're not comfortable with it as dental professionals we need to be comfortable with giving other options and I always tell dental professionals the people that ask me about it it's reframing your mindset we need to be open we need to be learning about different things and we need to have our product arsenals as full as possible because we are in a world where people are really conscious about what they put in their bodies and want and will come to you asking for alternatives and I myself have used hydroxyapatite toothpaste and I actually use a couple of toothpastes at one time I'm always trying different products and for patients and clinicians who do ask me about hydroxyapatite that is my stance I am for it and I definitely recommend that you do more research into it if you aren't um if you aren't aware of it yet or don't really know much about it it's definitely something that I think that you should learn for yourself 
Question number three is how do you deal with conflict in the workplace? And this is definitely something that I have become more confident with age. I, as a teenager, was a shy individual and I really didn't come out of my shell until I'd say in my early to mid 20s and I used to just push things under the rug at work if I didn't like it I'd just go along with it and I didn't really used to speak up but then I began to realize that it made me really resentful and it made me ultimately leave some practices that I've worked at in the past and now if I encounter any conflict I am just hand up straight away will say something because if it's something that affects your clinical practice or just something that's been done that's plain wrong it needs to be addressed and all parties involved need to be made aware and I just think for the sake of your mental health and just things that shouldn't be happening um, to not happen again I think it's really really important and these are just life skills like that you'll learn not just for being in the dental clinic but just in real life with friends and relationships as well so that's my personal advice I say say something straight away tell all parties have it written down somewhere so there is actual written record that it has been addressed and replied to because a verbal conversation means nothing these days so if it's something serious or there's a change to contract or there's a change to protocol or practice there should be meeting minutes taken there should be emails sent around updating everyone and all parties so that is my advice but always approach things calmly always approach things empathetically try to remove the emotion out of it and just keep it really um straight if that makes if that makes sense so that is my advice for dealing with conflict in the work environment question four is how do you avoid burnout before i talk about this i just want to segue back to episode two i did an episode with amber auger who is a registered dental hygienist in the u.s and she answered this just absolutely killed it so if you want a more in-depth episode about burnout i recommend that you go back or listen to episode two if you haven't already but burnout's tricky because it can happen without you even knowing you might be first year out really early on in your career and you just want to learn 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 and you're super keen which is fantastic but then you don't realize that you're burning yourself out and I mean everyone's got different personal and life circumstances um, you know as someone who has a family and who is working five days might find that super um, stressful and that could lead to burnout or you may have someone that works six days a week but be completely fine with it because it suits their lifestyle so you've always got to 
stay in tune with yourself don't worry about anybody else and don't worry about the noise don't worry about what everyone else is doing just do what's right for you and there was a stage in my career where I was sometimes working like six day weeks and at the time I was like just think about the money all that sort of stuff and at the time I was in my early 20s so you don't really feel it as much when you're young and youthful (laughs) I'm still young but yeah back in the day but as I progressed in my career there was one point in my career where I was working three and a half to four days a week if I was working a Saturday so I worked a full day Monday had a Tuesday off, worked Wednesday, Thursday and half a day Friday and I loved it. That was really great for me and I used to work a lot of Saturdays but only recently where I haven't. That's in the last year so I just put my foot down and was like nope my Saturdays are for me and now I also do other work and have my Instagram page so I need to have my weekends to myself and for no clinical work. So this will change in your career. Some some years you might work five days, some years you might work three days. So I always say always change it according to what works best for you at the time I work four days at the moment now and that works well for me at the moment but that's not to say that that won't change in the future so always be open and fluid and that's one of my mottos for life really just try and go with the flow as best as you can which sometimes I cannot because I am a really organized practical person and I like to plan my life out but I've definitely learned to stay in tune with my body and listen to it if it's not happy because even just recently I ended up taking almost a week off work for a chest infection because I just kept working through it to eventually the point where I could not see a patient that week without coughing and my doctor told me that I had to go home and rest so yeah don't be me and always yeah reassess and just really sit down and reassess your situation every couple of months or every year even um, if that's something that you can do so yeah that's my tips to avoid burnout Before continuing on with this episode, I'd just like to say a really big thank you to High Smile for sponsoring this episode. If you follow me on Instagram or TikTok, you'll have seen me testing out High Smile's at-home oral care, their PAP plus whitening, their strips, their gel over the last few months. And I am always testing their products behind the scenes. So I can't quite say anything yet, but they have some awesome improvements and new products coming over the next few months and some that will be available exclusively to dental professionals 
and practices. And as a member of Team High Smile, I cannot wait to share the new products and the improvements with you. And also, if you're listening to this podcast, you will be the first to know that I'm heading up to High Smile HQ this week on a very exciting trip up to the Gold Coast. I will be documenting it all and I cannot wait to share with you guys my time at High Smile. So stay tuned on my Instagram and my TikTok. And I just want to thank High Smile for their continued support of the Talk Dental to Me podcast. Let's get right back to the episode. So question number five is probably the most asked question. I think I'm, uh, I've been asked this question at least once a month since having my Instagram page and it is how to become an oral health therapist or dental hygienist if you haven't finished high school. So I always encourage everyone who asks me reach out to the university so you get first hand knowledge and updated information about what's needed because obviously I'm not the person to come to for that but I'm more than happy to help because I have so many people come to me and ask but one of the dental assistants that I worked with has successfully done this so the way that she got accepted into the Bachelor of Oral Health at Charles Sturt University is that she did one year of a Bachelor of Science which was four subjects from first year of oral health so she did the Indigenous subject IKC the psychology subject PSY and two bioscience subjects BMS 191 and BMS 192. So those are obviously the course codes. I'm not quite sure the name of the subjects unfortunately but those are the four subjects that she did. Again this is for Charles Sturt University which is in Melbourne. So that is first-hand knowledge from someone who has been accepted into the course, but I would not know if it's the same for Melbourne University or Sydney University. So please definitely do your own due diligence. Question number six is, how can an overseas trained dental hygienist become registered in Australia? So I also have this question quite a lot. I'm actually currently looking for someone who has done this and can come as a guest speaker on the podcast so if you're listening to this and you are an overseas trained dental hygienist now currently practicing in Australia please dm me or email me because I would love to help have you on the podcast because there are so many individuals out there who want this information and love to connect so if that's you please dm me but what I usually send people to is the Australian Dental Board. So APRA is our governing body. So all of us health professionals around Australia, whether you work in dentistry or medicine or podiatry or a nurse, we're all registered with APRA. So dental hygienists, dental therapists and oral health therapists who are registered to practice in New Zealand can actually practice in Australia without having to do any other exams so the New Zealand registration is recognized under the Trans-Tasman Mutual Agreement so I have had someone actually message me and ask if that was the case so she was thinking of going to New Zealand and getting registered 
and then coming here. So that seems to be an option, but I would definitely double check that. But if you're a dental hygienist or dental therapist with a non-approved qualification, so not a New Zealand qualification, then you have to complete an approved qualification and then undertake the assessment process that is overseen by the ADC, which is the Australian Dental Council. So what I'll do is I'll put the links in the show notes below. So if you're someone who's wanting to do this, you can just research these links but basically the process involves three stages number one is the initial assessment so for eligibility you must be a dental hygienist or therapist have a minimum two-year equivalent full-time study and have held full and unrestricted registration or if you're a combined dental therapist or hygienist or oral health therapist, you must have a minimum three-year equivalent full-time qualification. So this initial assessment takes approximately eight weeks and the cost to apply is $610 AUD and it's valid for seven years. Once you do this first initial assessment, stage two is a written examination. So this is a one-day examination which tests your application of knowledge to clinical practice and it costs 1350 Australian dollars. So it's a lot of monies and it's valid for three years and there are different application periods and examination dates that obviously change from year to year. And then after you do your written examination, the third stage is the practical examination. So depending on your profession, it's a one or two day simulation based exam assessing your practical clinical skills. So this costs $3,150 Australian dollars. It does not expire. And again, the application periods and examination dates are on the website, but I assume that they change every year. So those are the three stages you must complete to become registered in Australia. So it's about a $5,000 process. So it's not cheap, but if you are definitely set on moving to Australia and want to practice as a dental hygienist or oral health therapist, this is the process. Question number seven, how to be the ideal candidate? How can you present yourself to be the ideal dental hygienist or oral health therapist? And in reality, your ideal is not going to be everyone's ideal. That's just fact of the matter. End of the day, we can't beat ourselves down because what someone is looking for isn't what you may be looking for and it's really important that both of your values align particularly like personality wise as well I think so it's going to be different for every practice that you walk into but in my experience if you're true to yourself and what you want and who you are as a person you're just going to gravitate towards those clinics that best suit you anyway but my tips for being the ideal candidate is you need to stand out like what do you offer that nobody else can what do you offer that the 20 other applicants that have put in their resume or are applying for this job what do you have on them 
and I really think that like dressing appropriately is a really big thing as well like not turning up in like sandals or you know flip-flops turning up dressed professionally with your hair neat and another thing that you need to portray at your interview is that you are a great communicator your boss or your principal dentist is looking for someone that is great at communicating so not only being able to be great at communicating with colleagues and your boss but also great at communicating with patients and with other members in your industry and it's not just about communicating because communicating is purely you know spitting out information you need to be able to connect with your colleagues connect with other people in the industry connect most importantly with your patients and be able to build and foster relationships like when you present yourself you need to be able to portray that you have these skills and it is something that some people are born with you know you'll walk into a room in a party and you'll know those people who love to be you know um, who love to talk like to be in on the conversation some people just have stronger skills but it's also something that can be learnt so I think it's really important to learn how to public speak I think that's a really really important skill to have not only as a clinician but just a life skill as well and dentistry is still through and through and will always be a people's game I had a patient who said dentistry is one of the last professions that will be taken over by artificial intelligence. So it's going, it is a people's game through and through. And to be a well-rounded dental professional, you need to be able to communicate and connect because you can be the most book smart person. You could memorize everything to do with the biology of how to do a pulpotomy or a root canal and you can do the world's prettiest filling but if you cannot connect with your patients you will not retain patients or be able to convert patients for treatment like it's so important to be a well-rounded clinician so if you feel that you need to improve your communication skills then go to a public speaking course or read a book about it or you can DM me about it. Um, I'm always happy to talk to you guys and yeah, just help suss out where you may be in terms of your journey. But those are my top tips for being an ideal candidate. And the eighth and final question... The last question is, I would love to start a dental Instagram. Where do I begin? So my advice is just do it. I think a lot of taking the first step is stopping about worrying what other people think or what other people in the industry are going to think. And I definitely did go through that process here in Australia. Not many people are on dental Instagram. When I first came online, uh, January 2020, it took me like a solid four months to actually put my foot down and be like, nope, Emma, you're doing this, do it. So 
not many people know this, but I actually started doing teeth whitening on my own. And for me, that was my initial platform that gave me the confidence to then start my personal dental Instagram. So my advice is just do it, but be consistent about it as well. And what do you want out of your dental Instagram? That's what you have to really think about as well. Is it just to connect with people? Is it to build a personal brand? Is it to help find a job? So there are so many different ways that you can use a dental Instagram, but I highly recommend it. I think it's a really great way to network. It's sort of like almost having a LinkedIn and quite possibly even more effective than a LinkedIn. I only made a LinkedIn recently and it was only because I was encouraged to do so by an oral care brand that I work with because a lot of their peers and colleagues are on LinkedIn. And even now I forget to check it, I but I'm always on my dental Instagram and it's where I've met some really cool people from all over the world and it's how I've connected with a lot of you who have guest featured on my podcast. So my top advice is if you want to start it, think about what you want out of your dental Instagram and then be consistent with it. I see a lot of dental Instagrams that start and post for a couple of weeks and then disappear. So it's definitely a platform where you cannot thrive on it unless you truly enjoy it is number one for me and you know not everyone likes being on Instagram and doing silly dances like I do (laughs) guilty or um, creating reels or videos like not everyone wants to do that and that's completely fine you can do you know static posts you can just pop informational stuff out there or stuff to help students who are also going through or about to start the same journey as you so there are so many things that you can do you just have to do what's right for you and what you're comfortable with so that brings me to the end of my episode I hope you enjoyed because I really enjoy these episodes and I really love being a big sister to you all and please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or a stuck or just want some help I'm always always here don't ever feel like you can't message me So I will leave this episode here because on all these topics I could talk all day about. But if you love this episode or if there are questions in here that you know will help someone else in the industry, please don't forget to forward them this episode and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, take care guys. Bye.